Welcome to On Culture. On this podcast, we talk about culture and faith and the world and our place in it. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support our work and explore all of our content on our website, theembassy.substack.com. Here's Mike. And we are back for another episode of On Culture. My name is Mike Sherman, and I'm joined uh, this fine day by Chad Myers. I say hi, Chad. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Good to be here. <laughs> yeah, uh, Chad's been a frequent uh, contributor uh, to uh, these uh, podcast episodes. And uh, as always, there is a corresponding uh, piece from the embassy uh, that uh, should be out uh, already. And uh, we'll, we'll use that as our, uh, our jumping off point. And really, we're talking about change or... Uh, Change or mere activity is, I think, uh, at least the working title at this point. Um, and uh, first, let's talk about change, uh, if if, uh, if we can. Uh, let's dive right in. And, um, you know, part of where I start is there's been a lot of change in people's lives, in my life, in your life, over the last few years. And it seems like and it might be just a stage of life thing, but it seems like many people I know have experienced, you know, significant change in the last, you know, few years after what seemed like um, a period of relative relative stability. Is that your experience? What are your thoughts on just this period of upheaval, change, whatever that we're going through? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is accurate, but I think the... Um... I, at least for me, a lot of it became really visible mid mid pandemic, um, you know, mid 2020, 2021, um, that started to really sh- kind of disturb whatever slumber people might have been in or, or be in and kind of cause people to think, well, I don't want to wait 15 years to take that risk I've always wanted to take. You know, yeah. life's short. Yeah. People are dying. I could die tomorrow. Um, I want a new marriage. I want a new career. I want a new fill in the blank. Like this, I want to make these changes. I want to make this jump. And so I think that's one part of it. But then, you know, other parts of it, like the instability and even increased anxiety that you see in children and teens, kind of all of these things coming to a head and the pandemic either being a catalyst or being a significant contributor to the middle of all this coming to a, to a uh, kind of apex, I guess, if you will, uh, on the timeline. Yeah, I do think, um, I think that's right. I think that names something that's, um, you know, there was a, you know, starting in 2015, 2016, obviously there was a lot of political change and turmoil and unexpected uh, events and so on. Uh, but it did seem like it really was the pandemic that caused people to, um, yeah, to say, oh, I, you know, things are different. Uh, maybe things should be different. Uh, I, I think that probably maybe this week or next week I was going to write something about work uh, and attitudes toward work and young, young people in particular and so on. Um, but I do think, you know, there was something that was called the great, the great resignation, which is basically something that you named. It's like, boy, if I don't like my job, I'm just going to quit. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if I, you know, 
if I don't like my situation, I'm just going to just take a plunge somewhere, somehow. Uh, and, th- you know, there was a, a phenomenon called the Great Resignation, which was that, you know, uh, which I think does say something about our attitude towards work. But it did seem, and there's, I'll have more to say about that later, but it did seem like there was a, uh, you know, a now is the time. Now is the time to take some, whatever I was thinking of doing, whatever maybe I wanted to do or didn't want to do or whatever. Yeah, their uh, life is more transient than I thought, more uncertain. Let's go, let's change. And particularly in, you know, the, the area of work and, you know, people changed jobs, people worked from home, uh, people went to school from home and so on and so on. And everything just seems, you know, so different. And I think that there's a corresponding, um, not just my circumstance, but now's the time for me to be different. Uh, does, do you do you think? Does, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Quick, quick uh, aside. There's a if you drive from Columbia to Charlotte, there's a big billboard that uh, I think you'll find tragically uh, funny, and it just says "Life is short, get a divorce," and then it's a divorce lawyer's number on there. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> well there's something that something about that that names the spirit of the age that yeah if you don't like your marriage just change it just yeah, yeah life is short you don't have to put up with it uh and you know basically anything you don't like just change um and that you know that's sort of what uh basically what i'm trying to get to in the piece is this sense of what really is change is that real change or is that just restlessness is that just you know, frustration with life. Is that well, really how, going how, anywhere? How, how realistic is it? Are we fooling ourselves maybe to say, um, no, I want change for me or, or maybe I want to change, but the easiest thing to try and do is just change my circumstances, like change all the chess pieces on the board as opposed to needing a new board. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's right. And I think, uh, without thinking about it, we confuse the one thing for the other. That if my life is just my circumstances, then changing my circumstances is changing my life. And that's really, I guess, one of the points I'm I'm trying to make is that it, there's more to it than that. And uh, real change involves, you know, not just your your circumstance, but you know, there, yeah, there's a sense in which we don't like we win a long time. It seems like uh, in a sort of status quo. And then once things started changing, there was like a momentum towards changing. I used a couple of Faulkner quotes. Uh, I don't know why I thought of, you know, I was thinking about writing this piece. I ran across the Christian Wyman poem, and I'll say something about that later. And then there was the the William Faulkner uh, story, As I Lay Dying. Uh, and, you know, one of, the, one of the quotes I love from that, it's like a man that's let everything slide all his life to get set on something that will make the most trouble for everyone he knows. Like once you actually change, then the change, you go all your life and you don't change. But when you, then you do change and it's like radical uh, because, you know, once we're moving, man, we really want to make the most of the movement or something. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, so there's, you know, that, that Faulkner quote, there's another one about, um, you know, the same sort of idea is that you know, how lazy it takes a lazy man, a man that hates moving to get set on moving once he does get started off the same as he was set on staying still. Like it ain't the moving heat so much as the stopping and the starting. Uh, and, you know, there's something about that, that, that sort of, you know, I guess for me named something about 
people beginning to move for movement's sake. Like we were mm-hmm. stuck before and now things started changing. And then you start changing and you don't exactly know, you know, what, what change you're looking for or what direction of the change or you're not even thinking about that. Uh, and so, you know, I don't know if that, if that it sort of came home on this Christian Wyman poem, which um, I know you, we were talking right before we started. Um, he's a brilliant poet um, and it really sort of names something about this, this phenomenon about people changing, but not really changing. Uh, and the poem is called all my friends are finding new beliefs. Uh, and so it starts this way. All my friends are finding new beliefs. This one converts to Catholicism and this one to trees and a highly literary and hitherto religiously indifferent Jew. God wamps on like a genetic generator. Paleo, keto, zone, South Beach, bourbon. Exercise regimen so extreme she merges with machine. One man marries a woman 20 years younger and twice in one brunch uses the word verdant. Which is, that's halfway through the poem. Um, which, that just, it, it's so funny. So mm. this name something, you mentioned that before we even started filming. There's yeah. something about that image of he marries someone 20 years younger and twice in one brunch uses the word verdant and both seem sort of like changed, but artificial, uh, not really yeah. changed, not really progress, not really movement. Is that what you got from that? Yeah, totally. And I love that last line for sure. But even the, when he, you know, after the, the paleo keto South beach bourbon exercise regimen is so extreme, she merges with machine. It, it just seems like there are so many different promising trends and the trends are it's to me the interpretation is um the trends promise some type of transformation like these trends will change you these will change your life so you can do inner and i'm not against these things in general i'm just saying like you can do intermittent fasting you can juice you can do this health regimen you can do that you can you know marry a woman 20 years younger and use the word verdant twice in one setting like (laughs) You know, to show that you know what the word means. And sure. <laughs> it's like, sure. but it feels, I think what Wyman is doing in that brilliant piece is just saying, are these really new? Like they are new beliefs, but is it? Are they converting? Is it a real conversion? Is it a genuine transformation? Um, what What in the next 10 to 20 years will be another, you know, change? What type of change is it? And then I guess to one sense, it feels like he's just, poking holes in it and saying you're you're changing shirts right right i think that's a that is the metaphor that comes to mind somebody just trying a different shirt on uh and sort of pretending that this is a permanent thing and this is a permanent real uh foundational core something when really you're just you're just trying out the word verdant you know (laughs) the word you've never (laughs) said before in your life Uh, (laughs) and i you know we all know people who have gone through something and you're like, now I found it. Now I know what I'm going to do with the rest of my, now I know what life's all about. And really they're just sort of moving and looking around and trying to find something. And that's where, that's where I'm sort of trying to draw this distinction between real change and then mere activity, just stuff you're mm-hmm. doing, stuff you're trying. Um, and you know, I, I think that, and this is probably, you know, uh, see what you think. But I think, you know, there's something about, um, 
you know, it's not the destination, it's the journey. And I think that's true in a sense. And, you know, uh, I know we both know people who sort of, you know, really believe in that saying. And I think there's a lot of truth in that saying. But the destination does matter. I mean, the direction mm. of the movement does matter. You, you never actually get there, but it makes a difference whether you're going to South Carolina or Arizona because they're different. The trip's different. The journey's different. Everything's different because the destination is different. And it does sort of feel like some people are in just sort of random. It's like they just pick a map and they point and they, you know, throw a dart and that's now where they're going. And the next day they throw another dart. And it's movement for movement's sake, which seems like is the surest way not to go anywhere. Does that make any sense? Yeah, totally. If there's no destination and everything's a journey, then where is the, where are you going? Where is the arrival? How will you know if you get there? Mm -hmm. If everything is a journey, a cyclical circular journey, how will you know um, what you need for the journey? Landmarks on the journey how you're going forward in the journey. Yeah. And how how would you know any of that? Yeah. And, and, and what is there, is there a why in the direction? It's like the man marries a woman 20 years younger and, and uses the word verdant. It's almost as if the woman is interchangeable in the poem, you know? So Mm. Lyman just has a way, a brilliant way of, you know, this guy does this thing. He marries a woman 20 years younger. Could have been any other one. Could have been any woman. Uh, Cause it's really about the change, but there's, it's directionless. Uh, and that's the sort of, it almost feels like if every day is random movement, then every day is the same. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm saying, you're sort of stuck in this rotation of new ideas that doesn't go anywhere. And I feel like there's a, there's a lot of people around that me that, and you know, I can get in this mode too. Where you're just sort of searching or whatever. And if, especially if you're not change averse, you know, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this. And you sort of just try on different shirts. And that just seems like mere activity. That's not really change. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so then, you know, I borrow from Lewis who talks about, you know, what does make real change and, uh, you know, what does it, what's the difference between the two and, you know, he, I think he brilliantly uses this metaphor of, he says, well, you know, without some core, you can't, there's not real change. It's just, it's just activity that if, you know, without an alphabet and rules of grammar, you can't write a new idea out because without the unchanging part that ties it all together and makes sense of it, you know, without the standard axioms of mathematics, you can't write some breakthrough revolutionary mathematical theory. You just can't write letters and numbers down and say it's a new something. And that's sort of what it feels. So there's, there has to be some part, something you're moving from and some place you're moving to. Well, even consider um, creativity and art, let's say painting. You know, there's a reason they teach, there's a reason there are primary colors. And there's a reason people start with primary colors. And if someone just wanted to come along and say, well, those are no longer primary colors. These are the primary colors. You're foundationally moving against some type of core that works against art as it exists. So, yeah, I think that's true on, and like you said, the mathematics, it's true in a lot of different things out in the world and the universe that there is a core that hold thing, holds um, different disciplines and um, practices and spheres of life together 
that those things allow for transformation yeah. and change. But to change those is almost to not allow any type of genuine change or transformation at all. Right. Yeah. If you don't start with the primary colors, you can't make all the other ones. Uh, you know, you're going to be limited in, you know, what colors that you can, what new colors you can make. If you, if you start with purple and brown, right. you're going to, you know, you can't make you, but if you start with the primary colors, you can make all the other ones. So yeah, that's the sort of idea in which if you don't know what's core, then you don't know what is real change and what's mere activity. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that is the, the, the challenge, the challenge of our time and maybe, well, the challenge probably of all times is to sort of like, what is core for me? Uh, what is core in the universe? You know, what, and for me, it's the central metaphor of what story we're in. And so things make sense. Some changes make sense in this story and some changes, uh, are just, time wasters or maybe run against the story, run against the spirit of the story. Uh, and, and it won't go anywhere because, you know, we're, we're kind of not making sense. Uh, mm -hmm. but we don't, it's, you don't know that without, you know, without sort of understanding kind of who you are in the bigger picture of things. Uh, and for me, you know, that's how do we, you know, how do we relate to God? Who am I? Uh, why am I here? Uh, you know, how did the story start? Where does the story end? Within that framework, I can do all sorts of things and change in all sorts of ways and go in all sorts of directions. Uh, but without that, it feels like I would just be trying some things on. And when I forget those things, it does feel like I'm tempted just to try some things on. You know, I'll buy a new car or, you know, some people, you know, when I was a kid, we moved just because I think, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, it's just, uh, well, yeah. I'm not sure I'm sort of restless here and I'm not sure I really like it here. Let's move. Um, and it just doesn't, you know, yeah. Or get a divorce or change a well, job what you, or whatever. What do you think are some of the motives and you're, you're, you've kind of hit on them a little bit. Like I'm, I'm restless. Um, I'm unhappy. Like what are the motives? that lie behind um, more activity versus actual change? Is it real changes? It's too hard. It takes um, work and time. And these other things actually cost you a lot of energy and whatnot in life and maybe resources, but they're easier. Yeah. Um, fear. Yeah. Like what, what do you think's going on? Yeah. I think both of those things probably, you know, I think it maybe starts with, I don't really know who I am or where or what this whole thing is about, but this feels wrong. This present thing, like I'm not, I'm not content here. So maybe if I, you know, move or change a job or change a boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse or whatever, or have a kid, maybe that will give me some sense of who I am and where I am in the story and so on. Uh, and so some of those things are better answers than others. And I do think there might be some central that, you know, there's some truth there that, yeah, I'm not content here if I'm really honest. Uh, and then doing the hard work of figuring out why not, um, it, you know, and so, yeah, so some people then, uh, I'm not content here, but it could be worse. So I'm just going to stay here, protect 
whatever stuff I have. That's one, mm -hmm. you know, that's one getting stuck. And then the, another it is to, yeah, let's try something new. And then you try things that outwardly seem like big moves and maybe outwardly they are big moves, but you're not really getting at anything interior. Like the guy who marries the younger woman and uses the word verdant, he's the same guy. Right. <laughs> he's just doing different things, right? It's not change. Uh, you know, and so I think, yes, it's, it's fear. It's, and then it's also, I think if I'm busy doing all this new activity, I'm distracted from the sense of a discontent or whatever pain or whatever it is that I'm feeling. And every new change gives me a new window to evaluate. Well, maybe this was it, right? Maybe this was the thing. Uh, well, you talk about the, you talk about, and you can say more than I can about this, but it just strikes me as the great resignation. And then after that, the great regret. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, when I think even through the lens of the book of Ecclesiastes, wisdom literature in the Bible, um, there, there is a, like what we're talking about, we're talking about easily, but these are significant, stressful changes, moving, changing a job, mm -hmm. changing it. These are incredibly stressful things that, I mean, you and I have both changed jobs in the last several years. Mm -hmm. I've moved several times. Mm -hmm. Um, these are not, <laughs> these are not simple things. So yeah. they're very stressful, like ground, like foundationally, um, anxiety inducing things. But I think there's some level of inability today, at least maybe in the West to accept there's going to be an absurdity to life wherever you are. Like you're in this current job. And you find these negative things about it and it's miserable and it's absurd. So you think I will find a different job and it will be less absurd and less miserable. And there's, you're not solving anything. Mm -hmm. You're just trading off something. It's right. a different kind of absurdity. It's yeah. a different kind of misery. And you can't ever escape that. I think partially you just have to accept that living in a fallen and broken world where your heart will never be fully complete and whole is, is part of the process to accept that that's yeah. absurd. Yeah, no, I think that that is right. That we, if we, if I don't know with this true part of this true story that, yeah, things are broken, that some stuff's going to be messed up wherever I am, that some stuff's going to be painful or disappointing or whatever, wherever I am, whatever my circumstances, that's always going to be true. Then if I really know that, then I'm not simply going to run to the next thing once I discover that. Now, I may end up moving on, but I do feel like there was a, there, part of the great resignation was, hey, this job is, you know, they expect me to do too much, or hey, my boss doesn't care about me, or hey, or hey, or hey, whatever. All of the things might be true, and maybe, maybe you should have changed jobs, whatever. But it's the expectation that this new job will solve those problems. Like, mm -hmm. I'm uniquely a victim of this circumstance here this bad job, this bad boss, this, it's, you know, I don't feel like I'm making a difference in the world, whatever it might be. And some of that might be true. You might be naming some true things, but without the bigger context of what's really central in life, then you're going to change jobs. And most of those things are still going to be true. They're going to be true to some extent because that's the, mm -hmm. that's the way life is. And so, yeah, I do think there's, there's, there's no magic wand. There's no sense of, uh, if I just do this and get a better circumstance, a younger wife, you know, bigger vocabulary, I keep coming back to that central metaphor, 
uh, you know, it's the brilliance of that poem is you can sort of like, you, you know exactly what he's saying. You know exactly the kind of person he's describing in a couple of lines. Uh, and, but that's not really what change is. That's not really going to do it for you. That person's not going to be, you know, uh, you know, fulfilled and content and all that sort of stuff without addressing what's, you know, as long as it's mere activity and not change. Uh, and so, yeah, I think all of that is, it, there's something true about, you know, there's never, there. it is the journey and not the destination to get back to that saying. That's a true statement. In meaning we're never going to arrive at some place where everything's wonderful, everything's taken care of. I'm content and fulfilled and at peace. I mean, in this life, that doesn't happen. Uh, and so there's some knowledge of, yeah, I'm not going to change jobs or change wives or whatever and have everything be wonderful. Um, and so I don't know. I mean, for me, that's sort of like when I do have, uh, you know, by God's grace, some you know, gracious circumstance, some blessings, I probably should appreciate them more than I do and not take them for granted because who knows what tomorrow brings. Um, and you know, the world can be hard and life can be hard. So I should enjoy what's beautiful and simple and peaceful and so on. That's kind of number one. And number two is when life's disappointing, it doesn't necessarily mean I should change my circumstances. Uh, you know, it might, it might mean that it doesn't never mean that, uh, but, you know, without me being, taking a good look at who I am and what's disappointing about it, then it's not really, it's going to be a different version of the same thing, you know? Yeah. And I think we, you know, to use some other language, when we ultimatize or idolize our job or work or kids or degrees, when we think that's going to give me ultimate satisfaction and it doesn't, then it's going to completely crush our soul. That's what an idol Mm -hmm. uh, does it's too much weight for us to bear and it can't bear it actually can't bear us up because it can't provide ultimate purpose and meaning but if those things are in their proper situation in creation and you know as we talk about the core being who god is and um, what he's done in uh, space-time history through christ and our identity being in him securely um, then yeah sometimes there are a need to change a job or to move a city uh, but you realize it's not going to provide you ultimate meaning and ultimate satisfaction mm -hmm. um, that 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 is found in your identity in Christ and in his purpose. And to some degree, he's working almost invisibly and mysteriously in and through those things. Anyways, it's not you don't always see the tangible nature of I'm making a difference. It's a life lived by faith. It's mm -hmm. a life lived in trust and then you're not suffocated by all these things that you've set up as idols. Yeah. 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 It's interesting because yes, we do set them up as idols and, and at the same time, it's like we want a transaction. We want a transaction with an idol. Like we want an idol that we do business with to get what we want. Mm. Uh, right. So like, and you know, like my job, it's my idol, but it really, it's a transactional thing where if I, I do the minimum, it gives me this and then I'm happy with this, this idol that I've chosen. Yeah. Um, and I kind of feel like, you know, getting back to, you know, being a Christian, following Christ, the difference between, you know, somebody who says, oh, well, I've been a Christian for 30 years, but really they've been a Christian for one year, 30 years in a row. Right. Because it's kind of just changing one transaction for another. And, uh, you know, when we all can do that. Um, and I do feel like that's something that we're, 
prone to do that uh, marriage is a transaction, parenthood is a transaction, my job's a transaction, everything's a transaction, and I'm either satisfied or unsatisfied uh, in the transaction. And, you know, the sort of one way of saying what we've been saying is if that's the case, you're always going to be ultimately unsatisfied um, if it's if it's merely a, a you know, transaction. Um, you know, Jesus was questioned about, you know, why do your disciples do this? Uh, it seems wrong. It seems off. That seems like it's something that they shouldn't do. And that's where Jesus gives them this, you know, it's, we're in a different part of the story. Like you have to understand what, what is central here. You know, you, you new wine for new wineskins. Uh, you know, you can't put the new wine in the old wineskins. It won't work. And, uh, and I do think there's a sense in which the change can happen, but it has to make sense in the big story. And that's, you know, like it, it, that's, that's me, you know, do I, am I becoming a new wineskin so that I can hold new wine? Or if I'm, or am I just trying to become a chair? I, I made up that metaphor. It's probably not very good, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, does my change make any sense in, right. in the, you know, the, in the grand movement of things? There are things in which if my destination is to be fully formed in the image of Christ, there's changes in me that make sense in that. And then there's changes in, in me that are irrelevant to that or go in the other direction. And without knowing that and without knowing who I am, I can't really make good change. I can just have different activity, right? Yeah, and I think that's probably um, a, a very important point of this conversation when we've talked about destination and journey, you know, for, for us to and people to reflect on what what is the motive of my life? What destination am I trying to get? Am I trying to be right? Am I trying to be powerful? Am I trying to be blah, 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 um, happy. Right. And if those are true, if that's, everyone has a destination, even mm -hmm. if people say that I'm just in for the journey, well, people may be pursuing adventure you know, what is the, and, and you, you talk about, um, so our destination actually shapes our journey. And so right. if we are trying to be, um, loving, compassionate, honest, kind, forgiving people, if that's the destination, then we can actually say there are changes in me that need to happen and I need to allow them and somehow, you know, put myself in position to cooperate with them to get to those places. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And so there's this sense of what's core, what's central, what story am I in, what is my destination? Uh, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm going to end with a couple of things. I mean, Wyman does reflect on this when he's asked about this poem that we read part of. Uh, it's really about um, this, he talks about this sort of modern, uh, educated, intellectual sort of stance that we don't really believe anything. There, in other words, there's really nothing central. Uh, and he says, I know a lot of people who think they don't believe in anything at all, but in fact, everyone has some sort of ultimate concern. It's just a matter of following it out to what it is. Sometimes it's the self. Sometimes it's you know, usually it's the self. Sometimes it's God. Sometimes it's another person, but it's there somewhere. And, uh, you know, he does say usually it's the self, which is true. Um, and for, uh, you know, for me, for what we've been saying, like, what is my central? What should it be? What do I want it to be? What is it actually? Uh, and then from there, where does that, you know, where, what is the destination appropriate to that? Uh, uh, and that's the sort of thing in which 
now I can begin to understand what kind of movement uh, and what 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 do I need to address in me that gets me to that movement. Uh, yeah. You know, rather than if I keep getting my car painted and I never fill it with gas or change the oil, then it'll look different, but it's not actually going anywhere. Um, and so, you know, I guess all of that to say, uh, I'm not in any sense saying change is bad or be careful about change. It's really not about change at all. It's about what's central, what story we're in. And from there, you can either change or not change accordingly. Uh, but without that, it's just it's mere activity. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Are you going to say something? No, that's good. Okay. Uh, well, you know, listen, we're running out of uh, running out of a our time, and so I, I'll end it there. But I sort of am, you know, sort of reminded that, you know, what's what's a takeaway from this is just sort of like, what is does my activity, does my movement in the world match? You know, what is central to me, or reveal maybe what is something about central is central to me that I'm that I'm you know hesitant to admit and you know does it match the destination does it match where i'm going and then you know how do i revisit that to to begin to move in a a direction uh, that is moves me toward the direction god has for me Uh, so with that i'm going to drop it there until next time grace and peace you've been listening to on culture a podcast of the embassy newsletter have a question send it to the embassy at substack.com And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.